Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. What does it mean to seek the kingdom of God first? What does it mean? I mean, the instruction is clear. He said, seek the kingdom and his righteousness and all. Everyone say all. That means that nothing is going to lack, you lack for nothing in your life. When I hear people lacking, I, I know that it's not that God has failed them, but they're in the middle probably of a test, a testing of their faith. When I know business owners and I see business is slow, many times for us, you understand that it's a testing process. They say the first year of a business, when you start one, it's a year of survival. And you have to learn how to be patient during those seasons. When we first started this church, we had a year of surviving. I've had men of God come up to me, pastors in this local church, and they, they, uh, they heard and got wind. We were starting one, and we started in the, our, our home with four people outside of our family, four people. And, and then we moved to a hotel. And I'll never forget the advice from one pastor who was in the hotel as well, and he found out that we're a spirit-filled, non-denominational church, and, and he was from a de- certain denomination. And, and so he told me, he said, well, after me telling him who we were, what we believe, and, you know, just sharing some things with him, he looked at me and he said, well, good luck. There's a lot of you in this city. You've got a lot of competition. And I thought to myself, the kingdom of God is not a competition. It's a community. It's a kingdom. It's a family. But in order to put God first in your life, you have to understand the concept. So there is no comparison. So let's say that, that God said, okay, there's a kingdom. How many of you believe that you're part of a kingdom? Raise your hand. Just, just participate with me just a little bit. How many of you believe that there is a kingdom? Yes. Okay. That's good. That's very good. Because part of the reason why I'm asking you is, is because did you know that there are still monarchies? A monarchy is, is a government that's ruled by one person, like a king or a queen. Did you know that there are over 24? There are over 24 monarchies still in the world and over 40-something countries that are governed by them and influenced by them? That's right. You don't believe me? That's okay. Here we go. I got, you know me, I got some proof. Here's where they exist. The ones that are red, are, they are total monarchy, that they, they are governed by kings and queens had a full, absolute control over all that goes on and happens in that country. And so, you know, most of us aren't used to that. We don't understand kingdoms. So in order for us to seek the kingdom of God first, let's, let's look at modern-day kingdoms. What does it mean to seek that kingdom first or to honor that kingdom and its rulership? Well, when you look at this, there are monarchs that have, that have some power that influence and delegate, and there are some that are absolute, and they're all different. 
Now, there's a figurehead in the, in the yellow, and the, the blue is the UK. It's a commonwealth figurehead. That means that it's also governed by a prime minister, but there are other countries that are still influenced by that, like Canada. Canada is still under that kind of rule from a monarchy. Most of you probably didn't even know that. If you go to Canada, you'll find money up there with the picture of the queen. We've got some of our dear elders that were up here today, the families on the end. They were from, they're from Jamaica, and they were at one point, uh, and I think still are influenced by the UK. Am I correct or am I wrong? Wrong. No more. They used to be. Yeah, used to be. And I bet in that country they did things, in y'all's country where you're from, you did things there like drink tea, a good tea. Uh, you did things that have a certain language. I love to hear the rose speak. They have got the coolest voice ever, man. Yaman. Not just the Yaman, but they got the British accent. And uh, Richard Rowe, who's one of our worship leaders, the young Richard Rowe, uh, he has the coolest accent ever, man. Stand up, Richard. Right here. Good looking young man. Single and ready to mingle. Say hello to everybody, Richard. <laughs> Sit down, buddy. <laughs> and so people have come and migrated from other colonies that have been influenced. So, so what I'm telling you is, is that throughout the world, you have to understand kingdoms. You have to understand that within that kingdom, there is influence. And these kingdoms have cultures. And these cultures have been established by the monarchs. Did you know that, that Vatican City, that you know that the Vatican and the Pope is an actual king? Did you know that the Vatican City is the smallest country in the world? Probably within about 100 acres or so, but it has a king, and that king is the Pope. And that king has absolute rule. You can't see it. It's in the red. It's a small dot there in Italy. Absolute rule in that country, which is one of the smallest countries, but he has absolute rule. We don't acknowledge that, but that's the way it is. And so every time you see a denomination out of that country, it is a colony. They colonized. So when you see UK or Britain and the culture and the monarchs and the extension of who they are, uh, it's a colonizing. What Jesus did when he came into this world, he colonized the kingdom. He brought the kingdom into this world. He came in from heaven, brought a culture, brought a way of life, and no one understood it. When Jesus walked in this world, he was walking in this world as a prince and a king. So when Jesus came in, the prophecy spoke of a new king. And so people were so... Uh, scared intimidated kings were intimidated that's why king herod wanted to have jesus killed because he had a kingdom he was a ruler but he was intimidated by another king that was prophesied that would overrun his kingdom so you find people trying to assassinate jesus as a child he called in the wise men the wise men were off to see him and they couldn't find them even though they told him where the star was but some things were only meant to be seen god by god's people and so then you've got this process 
of Jesus walking in as the king of kings. And that's another part of our sermon. But here's what you have to know. There were kings, there have been kings, and there always will be kings. But there's only one king of kings that rules and dominates no matter what country you're from. Just one. Just one. And when he becomes your Lord and Savior, and you enter into a born-again experience, and, and you walk into salvation, you are born into a kingdom. Or we can synonym, synonymously say a body of believers, a body and a kingdom. The kingdom of God is synonymous for Holy Spirit, uh, Holy Ghost, kingdom with, with, with just the body. You are the body of Christ. In other words, he is the head, you're the body, right? Okay, well, he is the king and you have his kingdom in you. So where does he rule from? From within. How? Through your heart. But how do you honor and embrace the king by accepting his culture? How he lives, what he desires. So when Jesus walked in this world, all he was doing was sharing the benefits of his kingdom. So what did Jesus talk about when he came into the world? What did he teach so much of? When Jesus came into this world, read the Gospels. Jesus taught about the kingdom. Why? Because that was the good news. The good news was is that the kingdom of heaven was now going to be colonizing itself on the earth, and you were going to become its citizens. And you would be under the rulership of the king who would shed his blood for you and I, who would forgive your sins, who would deliver you from your enemies, who will set you free from your addictions, who was going to give you peace that passes all understanding, a king, a king that would give his life. So we understand it very clearly by Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 says, now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. And the household of God. The cool thing is, if, if let's just take the red and let's just play a little bit here. Let us see here. In the kingdom, when Jesus died and gave his life, he covered all the nations of the world with his blood. He just absolutely just gave everything out and poured out the kingdom, and the Spirit of God came into this world, beginning in Jerusalem. But now this is what it looks like. All nations, doesn't matter where you're from, the Spirit of God moves. The Spirit of God begins to occupy, but it first comes by being preceded by the blood. And here we are. All of us together, I want you to catch this. You have to allow this concept to get into your subconscious. Without you having to even think about it, you have to be aware. And my one point today, and only point I'm going to give you, because I don't want to give you 10 points and forget them all. The only point I want you to remember today is this. You are a citizen of God's kingdom. And this concept has to be embraced in your heart. It has to be accepted. 
So you are sitting among people who are citizens of the same kingdom. You all have the same king. You are all part of one monarchy. Your king is not from this world. The kingdom of God is not from this world. The kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, but what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the what? In the Holy Spirit. And that's where your king reigns from. But you are a citizen of God's kingdom. Here's the truth, and it's got to penetrate. In fact, pray this with me right now. Pray this prayer and say, Lord, say, Lord Jesus, let me receive. Open my heart to a revelation of being part of your kingdom. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. Yes, the good part is this, and this is what's cool. Not only are you a citizen, you are an offspring, an heir with the king. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to stand up for this. I'm just, I'm just telling you, not only are you a citizen of God's kingdom, you are a child of the king. Why? Because you have royal blood in your veins. Jesus was royalty. Jesus was royalty. Yeah, he came in riding into Jerusalem on that day with, on a donkey, and he had clothes instead of a saddle. He had palm branches instead of the red carpet and clothing from the poor. But on the inside, if you can just see with your spiritual eyes, even through the Scripture, he was the king of all kings. He had all power, all authority was given to him. And because you have said yes to Jesus and he accepted you, because that's really the basis, you have to accept the truth, but then it's by his blood and mercy that we're accepted into the body. And he invited us to come into the kingdom and say, here, live with me. Live with me. And in the kingdom, there's going to be benefits. As being part of a citizen, not just a citizen, but part of the royal family. I just think about this just for a moment. You, you can say it and you can tell other people about it, but until you get the reality and feel it, that's the difference. That's the difference. You have to feel it in order to obtain it. You know what some people do? Here's what some people do to help their faith. I've done this many times with different things and just so I can get the reality of what it is when I didn't have the faith. I know people that have desired a brand new car but couldn't afford to have one, but they would go to the dealership and they'd ask to test drive one. And they would test drive it, and I've heard this before, they test drove it and they would, in their minds, believe that it was theirs just so they can have the feeling of what it felt like to be in their new car. And then they would pray and believe God for it because it wasn't out of lust. And I'm not talking about a Lamborghini or a Corvette. Those are extra blessings that God, and those are toys. I'm talking about tools, right? For us men, we, we you know, I was taught 
by my good friend that my truck is called a tool. So I use it as a tool, but here's what I'm talking about. It's whenever you need a healing, but the doctor report says something different. It's whenever you know you need to pay off something and a bill's coming up and you don't have the money. I've been guilty of making not anything obviously would be close, not anything that would be close to a real check, but I've made fake big ones so you know people wouldn't think I'm trying to live fraudulently. <laughs> I've done it before. Call me a kid, but the Bible says we need to become like children and believe. I've made checks out and I put on there the amount that I've needed and signed by Jesus because and put the scripture reference to every point on that check. And I'd take that check and I'd go into prayer and I wouldn't pray the prayer. I would just believe the, the promise. But I had to see it in my hands sometimes. And I'll put things on my wall sometimes and I got to believe for, for God to provide for and take care of. Like right now, I see us in a new building. Why? With new people. That's why. Not just new people but saved people that were lost. Jesus, he was so convinced within himself and he knew who he was is that whenever he was tempted by the devil, he never gave in to it. He was offered the world and all of its riches. Uh, Satan was the God of this world and is the God of this world. If you read the Bible, that's what the Bible says. But you see, when Jesus comes into this world, he colonizes heaven and wherever God's children are, wherever they live, that real estate belongs to the kingdom of God. And you are now ambassadors to the kingdom. Did you know that? That's kind of rich. I want you to grab a hold of that. Because you are who you are and he is who he is, your property where you live is now foreign property. You know, that's how it works in foreign countries. In foreign countries, we have United States embassies. And where the embassy is, no matter if it's in Africa, in Russia, no matter where our United States embassy is, did you know that the property that that building sets on is U.S. soil? And if any citizen of the United States walks on that soil, he is now bound by the laws of his country. Well, when Jesus stepped on this terra firma, everywhere he called home and places he went to, every ground he stepped on, that's why everyone was healed. Why? Why were they healed? Are you ready? Because they were bound by the laws of his kingdom. And the culture in the kingdom of God is love, righteousness, healing, deliverance. It's a normal thing. It's a normal thing. You know, there are no sicknesses in heaven. The kingdom is just an extension of heaven on earth. We're going to heaven one day, but we get to experience it beforehand, just a touch of it. And I'm going to tell you, if this is a touch, I can't wait to get the whole thing, guys. It's going to be tremendous. It's going to be marvelous. It's going to be wonderful. And, and Jesus was just walking as the king. He was just allowing people to accept the benefits of his kingdom. And so when you and I see it, it has to become relevant to us. That's why every business owner that's here, every 
Every person who owns a business, that business does not belong to you. It belongs to Jesus. It's his business. And if you'll make him your CEO, he will bless you to the nth degree and go blow your mind and cause you to feel the blessings and the ability to be a blessing to others. That's why moms and dads, those children, yes, they came from your womb, but those children belong to the king. Those are the king's kids. Those are the kingdom kids. Those are kids that, that God has placed into your hands temporarily just so they can be servants to him. Everything you have belongs to him. Why? Because you're a part of his kingdom. Everything belongs to the king. The good thing is, is that we serve a good king. We serve a good king who gave his life for you and I. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? We serve a miraculous king because he not only gave his life and went to the cross and was buried, but he resurrected himself, and he's alive and well. Our king lived, died, and rose again. I don't know of any other king that can do that. I just don't know of any other king that can do that. What a mighty God we serve, right? Here's how Jesus came and felt about us becoming part of the kingdom and our mindset about it. Here's how he felt. Because it greatly displeased him whenever children were coming to him and the disciples said, no, not right now. Listen to what he says about this. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. Mark chapter 10, verse 13 says, Then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them because when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Now remember, he was greatly displeased. So he probably said it with a little bit more authority. Right? Leave them alone. Let the little children come to me. Yeehaw. Scared myself. I scared myself. I saw my kids go like that. Let the little children come to me. Listen to what he said. Do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. What? For such is the kingdom of God. You know what that means? What that meant was is that one day there's going to be adults come into this lifestyle and kingdom mindset where they're going to have to start thinking like children and simply approach him and simply accept him and not overanalyze and not live by paralysis by analysis because you can overthink this so much and complicate it where it just totally just locks you up in your mind and you got a question for everything and you have an answer for everything you got logic that's why god gave you an intelligent mind not to think yourself out of a blessing god gave you an intelligent mind to solidify the blessing an intelligent mind will understand and seek out god through his word intelligent minds what they lack you know, and you're all intelligent. I believe every single one of us have the capability to understand things, deep things. But God doesn't want you to make it so complicated. Just believe the word and read it and embrace it and understand it. And God will help you with the rest when you have an open heart. He'll teach you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. But don't overlick. The, don't overlick. <laughs> I like it when I mess up, man. <clears throat> Makes me laugh too. Don't overlook 
Don't overlook the one truth that Jesus is your king and you live in his kingdom. And you are a citizen and you are a child. If that's true, then you should have full benefits of that kingdom. The reason why people are miserable in this world is because they're living below their means of provision when it comes to God's blessings. They're living outside of the, of, of the kingdom of God. And I'm going to tell you something else. The reason why some people are so miserable is because in, in church, let me clarify that, in church, it's because they have experienced royal blessings. And what I mean by this is heavenly spiritual blessings. They have, we have experienced God's grace and mercy. How many of you love the way the presence of God feels? I mean, you just love the way the presence of God feels. Can I tell you, once you've had something that good, nothing else is going to satisfy you. And the most miserable people in the world, I believe, are people that have walked away from the grace of God or failed and live in failure and choose to stay there because they feel like all hope is lost. Can I encourage you? There is nothing that the blood of Jesus can't cure, cover, and delete from your life. Nothing, nothing. Get back up. If you failed, okay, you failed. Get over it because Jesus got over it. You have full benefits as a citizen. Say, I'm a citizen. Say, I'm a child of the king. That's what the Bible teaches us. So now what? Now what? What do I do after I've been saved? Listen, even if you've been saved for 10 years, did you know I, I've, I've learned this? that I've had to actually had to go back and revert back to the basic fundamental doctrines of what, of what I really have in my life. I mean, you can be so hype about God and the presence of God and go by the emotion and have no knowledge and understanding. That's why we teach in this church. I can't get up here and go old school on you and start going the and the and the spit in your face and it just says this and ah somebody somebody give me some praise you're gonna get all emotional about it you never learned a thing all you learned how to do is do the same thing and people think you're weird when you start talking like that outside the church you've adopted christianese Christianese is the language and the culture that we infused in the church that we never should adopt it. I don't like speaking Christianese. I like speaking love and culture and be relevant to people in this world. People aren't going to understand that kind of stuff. The culture of the kingdom is love. Are you ready for the language of the kingdom? It's speaking in tongues. Don't run off yet. It's praying in the spirit. It's the, the language of angels. It's called the baptism of the Spirit. We believe all of that here, but it's done in decency and in order. And it's not strange because, listen, you know how many times that's in the Bible? If people are offended by that and think it's strange, it's because they've never been taught it. How many of you have ever received the gift that I'm speaking of right now? Raise your hand. It's all over. And guess what? 
It's in every denominational church you can think of. People are getting this experience all over the world because they're hungry. There are no barriers. God is no respect of religion. God looks for hungry hearts. Did you know the kingdom of God, the king has a royal army called angels? And they are there to protect you. And did you know because you are, listen to this now, I'm about to blow your mind. When the Bible says he is the king of kings, I don't believe he was just talking about monarchs around the world. I believe he was talking about you and I. He was the king, capital K, over the king's small k. The book of Revelation says that we are called to be kings and priests. Let me give you some of the benefits here. Are you ready? I'm almost done. Is this good stuff this Sunday morning? I hope so. When you are under the kingship of Jesus, there are certain benefits that come into your life because of what he did for us and what he is and who he is. You have the spirit of Christ. Do you believe you have the spirit of Christ? Okay, say, I believe. I've got the spirit of Christ. Just want to hear you say, make sure you're not just because everybody else is going like that. You, gotta, you know why I, I ask you so many times sometimes to say it out loud? Because you, you need to hear you. <laughs> self needs to hear self. You really have to confess that and hear it through your own ears until you have absolutely believed it. And it's in your conscience, and you can dream about it. Oh, that's how you know that it. it's really in your subconscious because you start dreaming about it. You've meditated on it so much throughout the day. That's when meditation comes in on the Word of God. When the meditation of God's Word comes in consciously, then it starts getting settled subconsciously. And then it starts without you even having to hesitate. You're stuck in a mindset and a belief and an understanding that you are part of a royal family through the blood of Jesus. And one of the first benefits of being part of that family is you are now called to be a king and priest. That means that God has given you dominion over the areas of your life that you live. Small K, mind you, but yet still a king. Do you know who the first king was in the world? You know who the first king was in this world? The first king in this world was Adam. Adam. Why? Well, because God said, I give you dominion, domain, to dominate. A king without land is not a king. What makes a king a king is the land. And guess where God's land is in this world? Are you ready? Not on Salem Street. Yes, but no. It's your heart. What makes that piece of property special for us when we move there is the people that are going to be worshiping on it and the God that's going to be visiting those people. And our God is Jesus Christ. The king is going to, I believe he's already entered into that property from all the prayers that have been going on, from all the things that have been occurring. You know what's super cool? Here's what's super cool. I got a photo the other day from one of our ministers in the church, and, and he, said, uh, he said, I went to the church property to go pray for it today. And I thought, man, that's really cool. He said, when I drove up, 
there was a big dead snake right at the, before it got onto the property, right at the entrance of the property. He was died and curled up. Big snake. And he said, not even the devil can walk on the property right now. And I thought, that's cool. We've got staff members of this church that go and pray there every single day during the week. We've got people that go from this church that pass by there and pray over that property. And we are on a good pl- we're in a good place right now. We are going through, moving forward, getting prices. We're going to keep you up to date on all of that. But that's where God called, a tr- called us to reign because that's where he wants to reign. God called us to this area right here, and believe it or not, because you're sitting on it, because his presence is here, this is holy ground. Nothing special about the building, nothing fascinating about it. Those of you who grew up in Victoria, this used to first be a sweatshop, a bunch of guys and gals working out in a gym called Champion Gym, and then it became an automotive place. And when we moved in here, there was all all over the ground, oil stains and red beams and just nothing fancy about it. But, you know, what made it good was we worshiped God. We worshiped Him, and you can feel His presence. God doesn't care about the building. God cares about the people. Now, that doesn't mean we don't want a nice building. We're going to have a nice building in Jesus' name. A big enough building, a building that sits hundreds of people. And I'm going to tell you that without the presence of God, it all means nothing. So without his presence in our life, it doesn't mean anything. So here's my point, and here's what I'm going to drive to you. In and under the crown, if you will. Being under the crown. And remember, you have to allow Jesus to reign in your life if he is the Lord of your life. This is where the disconnection is. Jesus can't reign in your life if you don't give him a place to sit. The throne is there on your heart. And he wants to sit on the top of it and live in your life. And until you give him that rightful place as king, he cannot reign like he needs to. And if he's not, here's the old saying, if he's not Lord of all in your life, he's not Lord at all in your life. Seek first the kingdom of God by making him the king first over all things. Can I just give you a little secret? Everything you're working, you're working hard for right now, you ain't going to take it with you. What? Are you serious? You think that you're actually going to secure that? And, you know, I'm, you're not taking it with you. The only thing you'll take with you is the relationships. The only things are people. But your loved ones are going with you. That's why our number one, one of our number one values in this church is family. Got to be family. So, so the kingdom, you have to accept it as a child. And in the kingdom under the crown, there's protection. You woke up this morning not even thinking about it, but there were angels that were walking with you. There was an angel assigned to you for there for your protection. And whenever you speak the word of the king, here's the secret. Whenever you allow the spirit of the king to speak through you, you allow the word to be released. And where the word of a king is, there's power. You want to know why, how, how angels work in your life? They wait for the inspired word of God, the unction that come out of your spirit, out of your mouth, because they have to obey the voice of the king. 
Angels were never called to obey your voice. There's a misconception out there when it comes to angelic relationships. People, let me tell you, they are servants to the Most High God and meant to there to protect us and meet His needs for us. So they are looking for the Word of God, and they recognize the Word. And when God speaks it, they have to obey. So that's why it's so important for you to pick up a lifestyle which part of the culture in God's kingdom is praise. The king must be praised. The king must be honored. The king has to come first. The king has to be vocal in your life. And the other benefit of being part of this is you are favored. Favored. And favor comes into your life. It's more than money. Money is part of it. But money is just evidence of the blessings of God, a substance that you cannot see. Sometimes that substance called favor comes into your life, and it comes in the form of a discount. Not really money, but discount. Sometimes it just covers your tires and makes them last another 100,000 miles. Sometimes it just anoints your engine with a different kind of oil and lets it run longer for you than you would normally see it run. I'm just saying God's blessings in your life are there, and you don't even see them sometimes. We don't even see them sometimes. But listen, when God begins to bless you and God's favor comes into your life, it's because you have surrendered your tribute to the king. The king, every king I know of, collects taxes. All right, let's talk about it. Let's shoot the elephant right now. You ready? Let's talk about money just for one second. Let me help you with that. Just one second. When you look at Canada's money and you look at Great Britain, you can see a picture of the queen. When Jesus was approached by the disciples and they asked him, do we pay taxes? Should we pay to Caesar that which is Caesar's? And Jesus asked for a coin. And on that coin, he saw a picture of Caesar. And he said, render to Caesar that which is Caesar's. And to God, that which is God's. In other words, don't forget about your king. That, yeah, that belongs to Caesar. But God's going to ask you for something in your life that belongs to him that you can't see. So that's why in this church, we don't promote giving as a duty. It is a means of worship. And that financial contribution is an extension of your worship and what's in your heart. And you give to God what belongs to God. So here's what happens. Whenever you give, let's draw a little bit. You ready? You like that? You give from a favored life. I mean, you give from a position of blessing, right? And you give God his portion. Not me, not the ushers, but between you and your king, you, this is a personal relationship you have with your king. Now, what happens to it at that point? That's, that's, that's not, you handle that. 
You did your part. Your blessing and your investment is secure. If anything happens after that point that isn't right, God will correct. Anything misappropriated, believe me, God spanks pastors and preachers and everyone else too. Don't worry about that. And my sneakers didn't cost $4,000, just FYI. But if someone gave me a pair, I'm not, you know, not going to deny it either. I'm just saying to you. <laughs> but they might end up on eBay. That's... <laughs> I'm Latino. I can't help it. When I give, let's talk about me, not you. Let's talk about me. When I give, because I pay tithes, when I give to the kingdom, if my faith is right, then I'm giving to the king. And this is what he does for me. He doesn't give me money. Do you understand this? Are you ready? He doesn't give me money. He gives me favor. He gives me favor. Let me, let me clarify this real quick. He gives me favor. It comes from every direction. Pressed down, shaken together, running over when men give into your bosom. God said you take care of his storehouse. You take care of this little thing that you don't think is important. I'm going to tell you, it's important to God. It's God's house. God's people are important. God wants to bless his people. You, you, if you're blessing me, you're blessing God's children. If I'm blessing you, I'm blessing God's children. If, I, if I'm serving here and I'm teaching, I'm teaching God's children and I'm doing God's, I'm, I'm carrying out his, his, his calling and his desire for you to get a revelation that, that you need to know that you are a citizen of his kingdom. And when you give and when you praise and when you pray and when you do all of your disciplinary action as far as, you know, it takes discipline to live for God. It does take discipline, but it should never be a discipline in the, in, in, in the sense of drudgery. It should be a joy. It should be a, a, a peace, and it should be something that makes you happy. Because I'm going to tell you something. I love his presence, don't you? Don't you love going into his presence? Don't you love listening to his to worship music and, and feeling his presence coming to the car? Or don't you love reading the word of God and, and just feeling that burning in your heart? I mean, he interacts with us. He cares about us. And everything I do for the church or for his kingdom where his government reigns, he, it's going to come back to me. And all of these things that come back to me, they come back to me in different forms. Sometimes he just gives me favor, and he saves my children. Sometimes he, he blesses me with the raise. Sometimes he gives me a business. Sometimes he just gives me peace of mind so I can operate in my business. Sometimes he does things that are going to help me prosper. Whatever it's going to take for me to prosper, I prosper. Sometimes when you give, God will pay off something for you. Sometimes when you give, he blesses your business with a new piece of equipment. Sometimes when you give, he saves your family. He does something. Why? Because you are connected to a kingdom that is bigger than you, that's meant to provide your needs, that's meant to protect you, that's meant to keep you. So don't try to limit God by your one-minded set of faith. 
You know, you understand what I'm saying? Don't limit God by your mindset and thinking it's supposed to happen a certain way. Take the limits off of God. Whatever God wants to do in my life, I'm not going to worry about how it's going to come back to me. I just know I'm worshiping the king. I'm giving to the king what belongs to him, and I'm living in his kingdom. Therefore, I am a citizen of God's kingdom, and he's going to take care of me. I'm a citizen. Come on, Haley. I'm a citizen of God's kingdom, and he's going to take care of me. I am favored. Someone say favored. Say, I'm protected. But here, I want to build on one more thing real quickly before we leave. I want to build on this because I didn't build on it strong enough. I want to build on the priesthood. You're called to be kings and priests. That's what the scripture says. You see, Jesus became the high priest that walked into heaven's corridors and walked into the holy of holies, just like the ceremonial procedure that was done, that was given to Moses to worship God. Jesus walked into the holy of holies, poured blood on the mercy seat, and the grace of God was distributed and came out and flooded the earth. And there are always in that ceremonial process when you read the book of Deuteronomy, read the book of Leviticus, there was the high priest, but there were also priests. Jesus became the high priest. Here's the good news. The high priest lives inside of you. So what he feels, you feel. Oh, man. I want you to think about that for a moment. What the high priest feels, you feel. So in essence, you are like going into the Holy of Holies through him. The Holy Ghost, the presence of God. Did you know this is what the patriarchs were looking for? They never found it, but God gave it to us. Don't take the presence of God for granted. And he made you to be priest. In other words, a representative of the spiritual things of God. You are the priest of your homes. You aren't supposed to just worship God at church. You're supposed to make your home a sanctuary. No, I mean, you understand, don't go buy a bunch of dollar candles. I'm going to go to your house. I'm going to see bingo candles all over the place. You're seeing those? I'm getting off track. Lord, forgive me. Here we go. I have a right to joke about that. I, I, my mom used to buy them all the time. I'm not saying put your house full of candles and incense. What I am saying is let there be prayer and worship come out of your house. That's the incense of prayer. And, and what I'm saying is, is that you are in charge of that and you're responsible for that and you're an ambassador in that house that you live on. I'm telling you, go home and make the confession and say this, this land belongs to you, God, and I'm an ambassador for your kingdom and this is your colony. This is you, you God, coming into the earth. And you are in charge of bringing the flame of worship in your home. What makes church exciting? I'm going to tell you what makes a church strong. What makes a church fervent? It's not just the teaching. Discipleship doesn't happen just by teaching. It's a very, very small part. But discipleship happens whenever you carry out the teaching and apply it at home. And a strong church is comprised of strong families. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to hit the men. Are you ready, men? Don't get mad at me. And if you do, I don't care. Strong homes have strong men. 
You want to make your wife's heart melt? Kneel down and cry and cry out to God and start loving God. I'm going to tell you something, son. That'll give you more brownie points than you can ever try to accumulate your entire life because uh, that's another, le- another sermon. You got to be tender towards him because God's called strong men to be tender towards him. I do believe that every once in a while that a a man ought to get on his knees and and cry out to God and say, Lord, bless my home, save my wife, save my children, protect this house. And if there's anything in this house that doesn't honor you, God, then then let it leave this house. And Lord, if I've got sin in my life, then cleanse me from my sin. But above all things, God, bless my home, bless my family. You see, you're the priest of your home. And that's all you got to do is ask the high priest to come in and bless your home. You have the anointing in your life, but this is part of the, the responsibility and the privilege of being part of the crown. It's amazing what God can do and God will do. I conclude with this thought, and it's this, and I close with this. Children easily accept God's kingdom because they don't overthink it. You tell a child that Jesus is the king of kings, and, and, I, and you give me... You give me a lesson. Maybe one day I'll bring all the children here and teach the children in front of you so you can see how simple they receive it. Children receive it like that. Children believe it like that. Children believe in prayer. Children believe that Jesus is able. That's why when I, many times, if I needed something from God, I've asked for a child to pray for me. I just believe that because there's less distraction. They haven't been all through all the garbage that you and I have been through. They simply have pure faith and a pure heart that they'll call out to God. And God said, don't keep the children away from me for such is the kingdom of God. They don't get a small miniature midget Holy Ghost. Forgive me for lack of better expression. But the truth is, they got the same Holy Spirit you've got and the same faith that you have. So what I'm trying to say is, is that you and I need to become children again and accept this. So what happens after we get saved? If you haven't got this down, go back. Renew your mind. Renew the revelation of what we really are a part of because God wants to bless you and God wants you to put the kingdom first and God wants you to prosper and God wants you to have peace of mind and God wants to make you strong and God wants to give you wisdom and the Lord wants to bless and save your family and he wants you to have a strong marriage and he wants your business to excel and prosper. I'm telling you here today that we serve a good king and he loves you so much. How many of you believe that here this Sunday morning? Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at clcvictoria and download our app.